0: Turn your Bibles to James chapter 4, that's where we'll be in God's Word tonight. I want to say it's a joy uh, to have the opportunity to preach and just to stand here. I don't count it lightly, I'm thankful for the opportunity, thankful that Pastor gives me the opportunity and just want to say I'm thankful for Calvary. And uh, just everyone here, uh, just the Lord directing us here, leading us here, and just allowing us to, my family, to minister here and to be ministered to, more importantly, Um, so many of y'all... Mean the world to us you just make a huge impact in our lives and just in all that you do just the small things and just want to say thank you for that um, you make us feel like part of the family <clears throat> and not just the family of God but the family of calvary as well and so thankful for that just want to say thank you and uh, but been excited about preaching uh, tonight been looking forward to it um, as usual always scared to death when it gets closer the closer it gets the more scared you get um, the more nervous and the more you're like i'm not ready for this are we do I have to <laughs> but um, it's a joy to get to preach anytime that I get to. But I always get nervous. And I was talking to uh, Brother Craig um, out in the foyer there in the atrium earlier uh, this afternoon, and he asked me if I was ready. I said, well, I guess, and we just got to talking about your nerves and being nervous. I said, it's a good thing to be nervous because then you don't feel like you can do it. When you feel like you can do it and you can stand up here and it's all right and everything's good and easy, you better go sit down. You better not stand up because then you're relying on yourself and not on the Lord, and you're going to make a mess of things and just blow things out of the water and just mess it up. I may mess it up anyway, stand up here, even as nervous as I am, but at least I'm trusting in the Lord because I can't do this on my own <clears throat> but I've been excited uh, about preaching and really couldn't couldn't decide where I was going to go as far as preaching had something on my heart that I wanted to preach where I've been in the morning meditations here recently in Psalm 23. I really wanted to preach out of that. I've been working on a message there in Psalms 23, and the Lord just would not give me the green light to preach that. And so we've kind of been led here. What What's kind of been on my heart since preacher asked me if I would, this was the first message that came to my mind. And I was like, well, that's just the first thing I thought about, but that ain't, that ain't what i want to preach. And Lord just kept bringing me back here. So I believe this is what he has for us for tonight. And uh, if you will and you're able, if you don't mind standing for a reverence of reading of God's word, will be in James chapter number 4. James chapter number four, <clears throat> and I will read the whole chapter, it's three more verses than what Brother Brandon read this morning, so I do apologize for that, but it's not real long. Um, but we'll read this whole chapter, and then you can be seated, and we'll we'll uh, preach out of this and just give you what the Lord has given to me. But here in James chapter number four, <clears throat> beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Verse 3 says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You can be seated. And with the Lord's help this evening, I just want to preach on the title of the message that I have is A Joyful End. And... I just want to give you a few things to, because I want to at the end of my life to be able to say, man, it's been a joyful life. I want when I get to the end to have joy. I don't want to get to the end of my life and not have the joy of the Lord and not be joyful. And I want to give you just a few things tonight with the Lord's help. We'll give you, there will be three different enemies that we find here in James chapter number four that will try to fight against us from having a joyful end. There are also three different warnings that God gives us in James chapter four But there are also three different ways that we can be sure to accomplish a joyful end to our life. And all that's found here in James chapter 4. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But we'll pray and then get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just want to say we love you. Lord, thank you for who you are, for what you are. I thank you for this opportunity and privilege to stand and preach and proclaim your word. I ask you now, Lord, just to help me. Lord, just clear my mind, and Lord, just help me to be able just to preach what you've laid on my heart and to give it with clarity, not to say anything that I don't need to say, but say only that that you would have me to. Lord, just wanna say I love you first, as well, just to say that thank you for this privilege. Lord, be with us tonight. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know who ran this up. I think I know who ran this up here, but thank you. It was. I heard it just boom and then gone. <clears throat> yep, still don't get any easier. It's, I don't know I know this is kind of distracting but it helps with my nerves to tell this almost every time I preach when I have water it's very awkward to stand up here and to take a sip of water if you don't believe me come up here and stand sometime with everybody staring at you and you have like a million eyes looking at you while you're drinking water everybody's like how does he drink water it's very weird when you're standing here and you do that because that's the way my mind thinks I'm thinking about what is everybody thinking when I take a sip of that why are they staring at me well because I'm the one that's the center of attention right now <clears throat> and so But anyway, thank you for bringing up the water. I appreciate that. But as I said, the title to my message is A Joyful End. I want to be able to say at the end of my life that I have finished my course, I have run my race, and I have fought a good fight, and I have kept the faith. But there are a lot of things that we can pull from James chapter 4 that we can see. The first thing that I want to look at are three different enemies that we face that are warring against us to keep us from having a joyful end to our life. And as we look at these three enemies, the first enemy that we see... That's going to drive me nuts. There's a gnat flying around up here. And I'm sorry. Squirrel. <clears throat> I am very easily distracted as well. I do apologize for that. If that gnat crosses my eyes, you'll see me swatting, and I may talk about it again. But the first enemy that we see here in that will try to keep us from having a joyful end is the flesh. And we see that in verses 1 through 3 here of James chapter number 4. If you'll read along with me, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. The first enemy that we have that is warring against us, that is fighting against that joyful end that we, I know I'm sure we all desire to have, is the flesh, is what we're, we're we all have. And we can't. Get rid of it we 're just in the flesh and we cannot help that but a couple of things with this flesh the two things that we mainly see here about the flesh is that we struggle so much with our fleshly desires those desires that are of the flesh is what we are fighting the most and what is fighting against us and if you'll look with me in Proverbs chapter number 14 I also failed to mention that I will be turning a lot of different places so you'll have to have your fingers ready if you want to turn to them if you don't have a fast finger, you can just uh, write them down and go back and read them later. Um, But Proverbs chapter number 14 and verse number 12, the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then chapter 16 and verse number 25, the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Lord records in scriptures that verse Exactly the same twice that tells us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so as we look here, we see that whatever our life, whatever we think is good, if we're relying on us and not the Scripture to get to fulfill those desires in the direction of our life it's going to end in death. It's not going to end the way we think it should. If we're relying on ourselves, it only leads to death. We must forsake ourselves, die to ourself daily, get in the scripture to find out where we need to go. Don't trust in your flesh because throughout your daily routine, whatever you're doing, there are going to be situations that are going to come at you, and you're going to face things on a daily basis that it's just going to come up, something's going to happen, and your flesh is going to want to do one thing but your Spirit's gonna tell you you need to do something else. And if you'll just have a little patience, which I have very little of, if you'll just have a little patience when that situation arises and you'll give it just a second, the Holy Spirit will tell you how you're supposed to react instead of the flesh and that immediate reaction of just the very instant that it happens. You wanna do one thing, but if you'll give it just a second, the Holy Spirit will tell you how you're supposed to react to that and you can react in a way that'll point people to Christ and not in the flesh. That will just bring hurt to your testimony and will ruin your testimony in front of others. So we've got on a daily basis, we fight the flesh and those fleshly desires but then one thing that we have to understand is about those desires because many people will say, "Hey, well I can fight that desire." Man, I can I can do good, man. I I've kind of overcome a lot of those fleshly desires, the things the way to react or some of the wicked fleshly desires that we have that just the thoughts in our mind that get put there because of things we see, music we hear, things that people have said. You're going to have desires that are not good and you're just they're just going to be put there, but One thing that we must understand is that we are weak. This flesh is very weak. We cannot overcome those desires on our own. If we say that, hey, man, these desires, these fleshy desires, they they come my way, man, I have that little bit of desire, man, I can just kind of walk away from it. I can turn away. I can do that. Not in your own strength you can't. Because that, those fleshly desires are way too powerful and way too strong. And if you don't believe me, let me read to you from someone in the Scripture that was much greater than I am. And if you'll turn to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7, verses 18 through 20. And this is the Apostle Paul writing here. He says in verses 18 through 20, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do, that I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And this is the Apostle Paul saying, The things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And those things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And I don't think any of us would feel comfortable and good with comparing ourselves to the Apostle Paul and saying we're as good as he is or we're better than he is. So the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to us that in his flesh he was weak and he couldn't overcome it on his own. And when he relied on himself that he would fail... How much more so do you think us, we're going to fail? We're not going to be able to stand on our own. Our flesh is very weak, and it is trying to draw us away, and we can't help but have those desires in our body. It's just built into our flesh to have certain desires and to want to do certain things, to sin, to do this. Whatever it is, there are so many desires that we have in our flesh just built in to our fibers and who we are. But that brings to the second enemy that we see, and that is in verse number four and five of James chapter four, where it says, ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And the second enemy that we face on a daily basis is the world. We not only have to face our flesh daily and the desires that our flesh has, but we have to face the world. And you can't help that. We live in the world. We face the world on a daily basis. But one of the things that we have to understand is that the world is fuel for those flesh, the desires that we already have. If you'll look in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, 2 Samuel chapter number 11, if I can get there. Second Samuel eleven verses one and two. The Bible says And it came to pass after the year Was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem and it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And we know that story there that... You can, you've read the story there where David, he committed that sin with Bathsheba because he was not where he was supposed to be in battle, and he walked out into the world, and that world presented something to fuel those fleshly desires that he already had in his heart that we just have that we can't just get rid of. They're there, but anything, he just walked out on his rooftop not thinking anything was going to happen, but there was something that the world had put in place to fuel those fleshly desires. Just as David didn't expect that to come on a daily basis, we don't expect things to come our way. We don't expect to see certain things, to hear certain things that may fuel those fleshly desires that we're going to have, but they're there. You've got to be ready to face them, and the only way you can face them is with the Lord, but that is an enemy that we are facing to have that joy of the Lord. That world is there to fuel those desires, There, it's and that brings to, it is just full of wickedness is the next thing about the world that I had, and it that wickedness fuels those desires, but in Romans chapter number one, <clears throat> Romans chapter number one, and verses number 28 through 32, The Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And so we read in there how of all these different things that God has allowed people to do because they just reject the Lord, so they fall into doing these things and that is all around us in this world. Everywhere you turn, you will see one if not all of the things that I just read there in Romans chapter number 1. It's everywhere around us. You can't walk out of your house and look at a billboard, look at a A magazine. When you're coming to the grocery store, you can't go anywhere without seeing one or all of the things that are written there. In Romans chapter number one, that the world is full of wickedness, and it is just trying to fuel those fleshly desires that we already have to fight. So if it isn't bad enough that we have to fight our flesh and to just battle and to overcome those desires. We have to live in a world that is constantly trying to get us to sin and to fall and to not have the joy of the Lord. Because if we fall into that sin and we give in, it causes separation from God and we do not have that communion. Because there in James chapter number 4 where it says um, in verse number 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Of God, If we're friends with the world, we're an enemy of God, according to this right here. So we can't be a friend of the world. But if you start giving in to the things of this world, you're going to be drawn to that, and you're going to create that friendship with the world because you're going to create that, hey, I'll come alongside you. I enjoy doing this or I enjoy doing that. And you just come alongside and yoke up with the world, and that's not what we need to do because it will not bring joy. It may bring happiness and pleasure for a season. But it will not bring joy because joy is everlasting. Joy is something that you can have no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. And that's what I want. I want joy. I want that everlasting joy and that just peace of knowing that, hey, man, no matter what comes my way, I'm happy. And Thankfully, I can say that many times the Lord has given me that joy throughout my life in the workplace and just situations arise, things happen, and people look at me like I'm weird because I'm just happy no matter what. And I'm smiling, I'm singing, doing something, just having a smile on my face and drive some people nuts because I'm smiling all the time. But that I'm just happy all the time and they're trying to figure out what is wrong with me, why I'm smiling all the time, why stuff doesn't just aggravate me? Why I don't get upset? Why I don't fly off the handle, get mad about this? When all the other guys are just cussing and getting mad about what just happened, I'm just kind of over there, whatever, and just walking, doing, singing, smiling, having a time, whatever. They're like, what is wrong with you? <clears throat> and even those that claim to be a Christian are like, what is, how do you still have joy? Why are you still happy? Like, do you not see what just happened to us? I'm like, yeah, but I mean, that ain't worth losing your joy over because God's still good all the time. God didn't hurt us. He still kept us safe in this situation. We're not hurting nothing. Everything's great. I've got the joy of the Lord. And you can have that as long as you can reject those fleshly desires. You can overcome them and just reject those and ignore those fuels that the world is giving for those fleshly desires. But it's hard to do without the Lord. If you don't have the Lord inside you and you're not reading daily, you're not praying and you're just not seeking the Lord and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because that's here at the end how we can accomplish a joyful end and just have that joy of the Lord throughout our life. But if you're not with the Lord and you're not fellowshiping with Him, with him on a daily basis, you're not going to have that joy. You're not going to have that peace that I'm talking about. It's just not going to be there. You're going to fly off the handle. You're going to be mad. You're going to get upset and I'm not saying that you're never going to do that because you're going to. We're flesh. We're going to do that but you can minimize it to where it's just once in a blue moon that that happens if you'll do it and you'll just serve the Lord. But the third enemy that I want to look at tonight is a very important enemy that we have to realize that I'm guilty of not, not thinking enough about this enemy that will destroy our joy and will take that joy from us and can keep us from having a joyful end. But that third enemy we find in verse number 11, Where it says, speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And really looking at the first part of that verse, just pulling out the enemy that we really have to beware of is our tongue. How many times have you had your feelings hurt or you've really been hurt on the inside over just what someone said. Your tongue, and I want to look at in James chapter number 3, gives us two different examples of what our tongue is and why it is an enemy of giving us that joy. If you look in James chapter number 3, verse number 8, the Bible says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And what it says here at the first of that verse, but the tongue can no man tame. We can't tame the tongue. We can't put a restraint on our tongue. It's gonna get us in trouble, but we can't control it in ourselves. We can't do that. We can't just put a restraint on it. And it's not, we're not gonna say nothing bad. We're gonna keep our mouth shut. We're just gonna say things that are good, say things that are nice. We can't do that in ourselves. We have to rely on the Lord to give us the strength to do that. But the tongue is not only an unruly evil, but back up to verses in verse number 6, where it says in chapter 3 of James, says, "...and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire..." of hell so the fire can destroy your body the fire can or your the tongue can set on fire your whole body and it can destroy your whole testimony you can build a testimony of being a good christian man and a good christian woman a good christian young person and you can be i mean just have the greatest testimony at your workplace but all it takes is one time for you to mess up and say something wrong and your testimony is destroyed all it takes is you just say in one thing and I work with a lot of guys at work that, or where I work at that claim to be Christians. <clears throat> but when you listen to them talk or you hang around them very long, you're like, oh, you sure don't live like a Christian. And it's kind of hard to be a witness to them um, because they do go to church. Um, but they feel like where they're where they're at, they feel like they're not doing anything wrong. The testimony that they have, it isn't hurting anybody or anything. And it's hard to witness to the other people that I know are lost at work, um, when they have that testimony of, well, they claim to be a Christian, they go to church all the time, they say they read the Bible, they claim to be a man of God um, and to be spiritual and to love the Lord, but they'll be out here cussing with the rest of you, out here smoking, doing whatever else, and the whole nine yards with everybody else, and they're no different than everybody else that's lost that I work with. They may claim they are and say they are, but if you just step back and you look at all of them at work, if you were to show up and look at them, and I was to say, hey, see if you can tell me which one claims to be a Christian and which one's not. You wouldn't be able to tell me. I guarantee you, if you just watched them for the day, you would not be able to tell me which one that you think is a Christian and which one's not. It's, I don't say that boastfully, but you just can't. And that's the testimony that they have. I don't want that testimony. I want a testimony that I'm different. Something's different because God said to come out from the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And we've got to be careful because our tongue can make or break our testimony. It is what we have to watch for and just to be careful of that tongue. Because as I said here in um, chapter 3, it is an unruly evil and a fire. And it can defile the whole body. But not only do we see these three enemies, try to get on through this here, but we see three different warnings that are given here in James chapter number four. And the first thing that we're warned against is pride. We're warned against pride in verse number six. It says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We are to have a humble spirit, not a proud spirit, not to be prideful, not to be boastful in what we can do, who we are, how we are, because pride can kill you. And I I challenge you to think right now, in your minds think if there's any situation in your life or anybody that you have that there might be contention there's a little just there's that tension between you and that person there's contention in your life it's like man there's just that strife it's just like oh man just you just butt heads well why are y'all butting heads you may have asked yourself that question why in the world are we just we just can't get along there's just that man there's just something there between us and I can't figure out what it is well I'm about to tell you you ready I can give you the honest answer. I can tell you exactly what it is. I don't know if it's you or them or both, but I can tell you what the problem is in the Scripture right now. If you'll look with me in Proverbs chapter number 13, Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 10. If there's any contention in your life between you and someone else, this verse right here tells us why there is contention. In Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 10, the Bible says only, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. So the beginning of that verse says only by pride cometh contention. If there's contention between you and someone else, and I'm guilty, there's, there's a lot of times where been contention, there's been contention between me and someone else that's just not been a good relationship or we just, we just can't get along It's only because of pride, either on your part, on their part. More times than not, it's on both because we're just too proud to admit where we might be wrong or we're too proud to just humble ourselves and do what we know is right and to love them despite of who they are or what they are and submit ourselves to the Lord to make that situation to where we can overcome it and the Lord can work through it. Because if we have that pride and we have that contention with someone, how is the Lord gonna work in their heart to convict them of their situation and where they're at? But if we stand on God's word, don't give in or bend and bow Of something that's wrong, but if we love them like Christ loved us and loves us, then we'll love them no matter what they've done to us or what they're doing to us, and we'll show them the love of Christ. That don't mean you let them just use you and abuse you in situations, but you do love them just as Christ did. No matter what, you're going to pray for them, you're there for them, you love them, and they see that difference. No matter what they do to you, you still love them you still pray for them, you're still there to be an encouragement to them, God will use that to cause that contention to go away because you've let go of that pride in your heart and God will work on their heart through you being, getting rid of that pride and submitting to him to cause that contention to go away. So there's your little nugget to help you. If you've got contention with somebody, it's probably, there's pride, well, I guarantee there's pride in there, but it's probably on both parts instead of just one. A lot of times, it could be just one, but most of the time, both of you are dealing with the pride, and I say that because I've dealt with it, and sometimes still, I'm going to deal with it. It's just going to come up because we're just a prideful people. We're just prideful. That's how we are, but the Bible warns us against that because in verse number six of James four, it says, God resisteth the proud. So if you want to have fellowship with the Lord, you can't have pride in your life. If you have a proud heart or you've got that pride, which is causing contention, you can't have fellowship with the Lord because God resisteth the proud. God is going to resist you when you have that pride in your life. I don't want God to resist me. I want God to have fellowship with me. I want to have fellowship with the Lord. I want to be close to him. But if we have pride in our life, we can't have that fellowship with the Lord because he cannot dwell with that pride. He resists the proud. He resists that pride. He cannot dwell with it. And so we must be careful, and the Bible here warns us against pride, but not only pride, but it also warns against criticism. And they're just talking back on the tongue where it says in verse number 11, speak not evil, one of another, brethren. And <clears throat> Just talking about don't go around talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ or those that aren't Christians. Don't go around talking behind someone's back, and I'm guilty of doing this. We all, excuse me, do it. It's just something that we do because it's in our flesh. It's that flesh of the desire. You enjoy talking. You enjoy hearing when somebody, something, some good little story, some good little nugget. You just, it's like, oh yeah, I want to hear about this. But we don't need to be doing that. Don't be the one talking about it and how you can avoid being somebody that wants to talk about it is don't listen to it. If you don't listen to somebody else telling it, you're not going to be tempted to tell somebody else about it. And so if you just nip it in the bud at the beginning, like somebody comes up to you, hey, did you hear about what they did? Or did you hear about this person? They start to tell you. You just say, well, no, but, and I really don't want to. Kind of, they probably look at you really funny if you say that. The next time, they are be like, what happened to you? Well, I was listening to a message the other night, and the Lord just said, to speak not evil one of another so I'm not supposed to be talking bad about this person or even listening to it and you might shock somebody if, especially if they're not somebody that's in church that's hearing this message now they won't be shocked if you say it but if somebody hadn't heard this they'll probably, you'll probably knock them for a loop if you say it. well yeah I hadn't heard about them but I really don't want to that's fine you just turn around and walk away <clears throat> they might faint over dead you never know but it's because I'm guilty of I enjoy hearing it when somebody wants to tell you something about somebody else you just you want to hear it whether you're going to try to share it or tell it to somebody else, you just love to hear it. It's in our nature. It's who we are. But if you just tell them, no, I don't want to hear it and walk away, it'll scare them to death. They'll just be dumbfounded. They won't know what to do. But we are. it warns us against speaking evil one of another. And I'm going to jump on to the next point, the next thing that we see that it warns against here in James chapter number 4 And look with me in verses number 13 and 14. The Bible says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth, away. The next thing that we see, the third thing that this passage of Scripture warns us against is self-confidence, knowing, hey, man, I've got plenty of time, and I've got time to just, I've got time to build my testimony, or I've got time to witness to that person tomorrow. You don't know that, because as it says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth And that's true for everyone's life. You don't know if that person's gonna have tomorrow. They might be dead that night. If you do not share the gospel with them and obey the Lord's leading, they may, and they may not accept Christ if you share it with them and then they pass, but you didn't obey what God told you to do, so they didn't have that last opportunity and you disobeyed, and then you have to live with that for the rest of your life of not knowing whether they would have accepted him or not. You have to live with, man, that person, they're gone, they died, I didn't obey the Lord, I might have been the last witness and the last opportunity they had, and I didn't do it because I was worried about me. I didn't want to share it with them. We can't be confident in what we think we have. You must rely on the Lord and say, hey, life is short. We don't know what's on tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to live the next day. And here in this passage where he's talking, he says, Ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. It's someone that is just feeling, hey, man, I've got plenty of time. I've got all the time in the world to do what I need to do. I can live for the Lord tomorrow. I'll live for the Lord next week. But this week is my week or today is my day, or this is my time. I'll live for the Lord. I'll live for the Lord on Sunday. Saturday's my day. It's not the day for the Lord. This is my day. <clears throat> Too many times people have that mindset of, well, this is, I just need a day for me. This is my day. This is me time. This is it. And I'm not against you having fun and doing, having a day set aside for you and doing things that you want to do. That's, we are to have fun. We are to enjoy ourselves with this. You're not not to not have fun, but we have to be careful to have too much time just to ourselves and not giving God enough time. If you're just giving God your Sundays and your Wednesday nights and any other service, how much time are you giving to the world and to yourself? Is it balanced out? Is God getting just as much time he should be getting more than what we're giving to ourselves and what we want to do. And <clears throat> when you think about it, if you're working and you're making, if you're making decent and you're able to get little, little things here and there that you want to do, able to get a little kayak or get a boat or get something nice here, get something nice there to use for yourself, well, that extra is you were working for yourself. You wasn't working for your needs and for what you needed, God was taking care of that and gave you the work for that. But he blessed you over and above to get things that you wanted and the desires of your heart. I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are good. They're fun. I have a couple of kayaks. One of them is still stuck back here in this room because I keep forgetting to bring a truck to put it on and take it back home. Um, <clears throat> but no, there's nothing wrong with having those things. But what we have to make sure of is that they don't take preeminence and precedence in our life over the Lord and His time. We've got to divide our time evenly and making sure that we're spending enough time with the Lord so that we can do those things and we can have our fun. Lord will give us those times. But even when we're doing those times, when you're off having fun by yourself, you may be kayaking down the river and you just, somebody starts talking to you while you're on the river and it may not happen this way, but it might. You're just going down through there. Somebody starts up a conversation. The Holy Spirit says, hey, why don't you witness to them? Are you going to be like, well, I'm out on the river, we're fishing. Well, I'm not going to witness to him. I think I'm weird, you're fishing. But God asked you to. Are you willing to be a witness for him wherever you are? Whether you're on vacation, whether you're on whatever you're doing, are you ready to be a witness for the Lord wherever you are? Because that's, that falls under this category of thinking, hey, I've got plenty of time. I don't have to tell, this is my time. I don't need to be a witness on my time. No, all time is God's time. God gives you that time to be on vacation, to have that time of fun, but we need to be willing to be a witness for him while we're having that fun and to be a light for him and to share the gospel while we're enjoying that time that he has given us to enjoy. So the Bible not only gives us these three enemies of the flesh, the world, and the tongue, but also warns us against pride, criticism, and self-confidence, just relying on, hey, I've got plenty of time. I don't have to wait. I don't have to worry about it. But then in this passage, we see three different ways to accomplish having a joyful end. I don't think I got him. Sorry, Nat distracted again, squirrel. He's been crawling all around up here, and he's just down here. I tried to kill him, and I think I missed him. But anyway, three ways that we can accomplish a joyful end. And I want to read before before I give you these three, Matthew chapter number seven, just because it kind of goes right along with <clears throat> what I what the Lord gave me, and I didn't have this to begin with. I was just writing out what the Lord had given me for these three, and then it was like a light bulb went off and said, oh, that's somewhere else, and I had to find where it was because I couldn't remember what it was. But Matthew chapter number 7 <clears throat> and verse number 8, the Bible says, For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened." And so with that in mind of asking, seeking, and knocking, I want to give you the three different ways that we can accomplish a joyful end. And the first way is that we must ask always for the Lord to help us and to be with us in a spirit of humility. Because remember, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so we must have that spirit of humility and be humble when we come before the Lord, asking him for anything. When we're asking him for help throughout the day, for strength throughout the day, for giving us wisdom in what we need to say, how we need to say it, what we need to do, we must do it in a spirit of humility. Because if we come with any pride in our life of, well, Lord, I can take care of this part, but can you help me here? I don't know if he's gonna help you or not. He's like, well, you're just trusting in yourself. I mean, here you go. Because he's gonna resist that proud, that pride. He can't be with that. So if you're prideful, hey, well, I got most of this, but Lord, can you please just help me with a little bit that I can't do here? Because I I mean, I know I can do this, but can you help me with the rest of it? He's probably not because he was resisting that pride and that proudful heart and that spirit. We must have that spirit of humility of Lord, I can't do none of this. I know you've blessed me to be able to kind of figure this out and kind of know what to do here. But Lord, give me wisdom in that so that I don't mess up. I know it may seem simple, but God, I'll mess it up if you don't help me and you're not with me through all this, through the whole process. God, I'll mess it up. Something simple is, because I've even messed up while I was preaching reading John 3.16, because I tried to quote it without having it written down. You say, how do you mess up John 3.16? It's easy to do when you're nervous, I promise you. <clears throat> if you don't believe me, come up here and stand in front of everybody and try to quote something from memory while you're in the middle of trying to preach or teach or do something else. It's very easy to forget something as simple as John three sixteen when you're up here and you're just nervous and it's going. So we must rely on the Lord for everything. We can't say, well, I got this or I know this verse by heart. This one's good, this one's good. I'm good, just Lord help me with the rest of it. No, rely on the Lord for all of it because you'll mess it up if you get that pride and you're thinking that you can do it, it's just like I said at the beginning of the service. If we're trusting in ourselves, we got that. We're not real nervous about it. We're like, well, I got this. This is under control. Man, I can do this. No, it's not. You've got to rely on the Lord and trust in him for all of it and ask for his help in a spirit of humility because he resists the proud, but he giveth grace unto the hum- humble, and he'll give you <clears throat> more and more grace. And then with that, that's how we obtain grace. You obtain that grace and that favor from the Lord by coming to him and asking in that spirit of humility. Because as it says there in verse number six, where it says, um, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So if we want God's grace, we've got to have that spirit of humility. If you want the grace. But then not only do we need to ask The Lord in the spirit of humility, but we need to seek the Lord by submitting unto His will. You submit by, and you seek Him by submitting unto Him to do the will of the Father and what God has called us to do. We are to seek the Lord above all things, seek His will above all else. Whatever we're doing, anything that we do, whatever we're Whatever we want to do in life, whatever career we choose to go to, whatever we're praying about what to do, what career, um, a spouse, whatever it is, when you're seeking the next step in life, put the Lord first. Seek him first and then let him show you the next step and submit to what he tells you you should do. Because if you try to do it in your own and you try to do it on your own and in your own strength, say, well, man, I'm going to go look for this and I'm going to try to figure this out and I'll just do it on my own, you're going to mess up. You're going you're gonna to find the wrong person, you're going to take the wrong step, you're going to start the wrong direction, then you're going to have to backtrack and then go the way the Lord wanted you to go anyway because everything's going to fall apart because you went the way you wanted to and everything just fell apart and it was horrible. And then you had to backtrack and then humble yourself even more and just feel like more of a dog because then you're like, well, I thought I knew what I was doing, I said I knew what I was doing, but now I look like an idiot excuse me, probably not supposed to say that in front of some of the kids. I grew up not saying a lot of those words. It's like, oh, you don't say that in front of the kids. You don't want them to say that. It's words that's just said, but you don't say it. It's not a good word. But you're just gonna look like you're real dumb, okay, because you started to do what you thought was right, and then, oh, well, no, you're not supposed to do that. So now you gotta look like you're a big dummy, and you gotta back up, and you gotta go the way that you knew the Lord may have wanted you to go to begin with, but you didn't think it was right. So it's a lot better to just seek the Lord and submit to Him First and foremost, don't rely on yourself, and that's all kind of goes with that asking in that spirit of humility because you humble yourself. You don't have any pride when you're seeking the Lord and seeking what direction you need to be going. If you've got that humble spirit, then you're going to do whatever God wants you to do to begin with. You're not going to be trusting yourself, you're trusting in the Lord. But then, the last of all tonight, the third way that we can accomplish this is to knock. With confidence. We ask in the spirit of humility. We seek the Lord by submitting to His will, but then we knock with confidence on the door of God's storehouse. And God has an abundant Storehouse of blessings and mercy and grace and anything that we need. We just have to come boldly before the throne of grace and just say, Lord, man, I need some help today. And if you have that humble spirit, you're not going to be afraid to just come before the Lord for anything. You're going to have confidence to say, Well, man, I need some help with this. All right, let's go to the Lord. And you're going to sit down, you're going to talk to the Lord and ask the Lord for it. You're not going to be, Well, I don't know. I don't know if that'd be bothering the Lord. Or, Man, I asked the Lord for a lot of different things. I don't know if I. No, you're not going to be worried about it. You're going to have have confidence in, man, the Lord is there to help me in everything. I want him to help me in everything. So you will come with confidence boldly before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I got to have you help here. I need you to show me this. I need you to show me this. So you're asking, seeking, and knocking and asking the Lord just to help you to make it through your life to have that joyful end. And so I just want to ask you tonight, are there any of these things that you might be struggling with? Have we got pride in our life? Is there contention? That's a good sign. A lot of times, if you've got contention with anybody, there's probably some pride there somewhere. And it's normally on both parts. And I can just say that because I've dealt with it and <clears throat> it's not fun to admit that, well, yeah, maybe I do have a little too much pride and I'm just not willing to give in and not willing to give in to what God, I know what God wants us to do and I'm just too proud to admit that you're wrong. I've been there more times than I care to admit, because um, I don't like being wrong. It's not fun. I think it's built into, guys, we don't like being wrong, <clears throat> but we have to admit it sometimes and just be like, all right, I'm in the wrong. Just humble ourselves, get rid of the pride, and just do what's right. And so I ask you, is there pride in your life? Is there contention? Are there? Is there any of these enemies that you're struggling with greatly? Are you giving in to some of those fleshly desires? Is there a sin in your life where you're just giving in? You are not. You feel like you're not strong enough to overcome this. Man, I can't overcome this. It's just got me beat down. Well, the only way you can overcome it is with this right here, is if you start spending more time reading his word and praying, and sometimes it's just gonna take some time with that. It's not gonna be a, well, man, I've been praying and I've been reading God's word on a daily basis and it's been three days and I still haven't seen no results. Well, sometimes it might take a week. Sometimes it might take a month to see some results. It, it don't happen overnight most of the time. It takes a while. Sometimes it could take six months to a year to see that big difference and that big change, but it's because the Lord's just got to take his time to work on you because you're so far away that it's going to take a lot to build that relationship and that friendship back to where he can help you at a moment's notice and be there to help you with anything that you need. And I know I said this in our Sunday school class when, we was, when I was teaching a week or two ago, <clears throat> but if we don't have God's word in our heart, the Holy Spirit has nothing to draw from and nothing to use to fight the devil and to fight those fleshly desires and to fight things in this world. If we just expect and trust in the Lord, Lord, you're gonna fight my battles, you're gonna give me what I need, you're gonna help me, you promised you would, and we're just relying on him, that's good, but the Holy Spirit can't use something that's not already in there. The Holy Spirit's inside of us ready to call to remembrance and to give us what we need in any situation to overcome or to accomplish what God's called us to do. But if we're not putting it in there, the Holy Spirit can't use it. If it's in there, he'll bring it to remembrance when we need it. But if it's not in there, he can't use it because he's not just going to pull something in there that's in the Bible that we haven't already put in there. He's just using what we give him. So are we giving him enough ammunition to fight our daily battles? In our daily struggles. Because everybody's daily battles and struggles are different. And if we're not putting enough ammunition for the Holy Spirit to use, he may not have the right ammunition or enough to fight that enemy that he's having to face, that he's having to battle, because we're not giving him the right ammunition. He can't do it. We can't win. We're like, man, why can't I win this? He don't have what he needs. Give the Holy Spirit what he needs and give him enough of it so that he can overcome it and you can win that and you can have that joy in that, overcoming that situation instead of being defeated and being drawn down and just, oh man, what am I gonna do? No, pick your head up and have joy by giving the right ammunition to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the day and we just thank you for who you are and for what you are. And... uh just thank you for the message. Lord, I pray that you just uh, use it, Lord, maybe in somebody's heart. Lord, I know you spoke to my heart once again. And, Lord, I just ask you now, Lord, just to uh, bless in this invitation time. Lord, just uh, help us. Lord, you know we need you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want for to Brandon to come and conduct the invitation.
1: Amen. Well, let's all stand with our head bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. I us all stand to our feet tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe tonight it's just time for us to humble ourselves down and swallow a little bit of our pride tonight, amen? And may we just run to Jesus with all of our problems, with all of our worries and all of our cares. Stop trying to fight your own battles. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. The world will throw things our way and throw us for a loop every chance that it gets. But when that happens, may we run to Jesus, our refuge, our strength, he is our everything. We're gonna bow for just a moment. Maybe you need to do business tonight. Maybe there's something heavy on your heart that you need to run to Jesus. I love that congregational song that we sing a lot. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. That song goes through a whole list of things. Are you weary, heavy hearted? Have your friends forsaken you? Have people walked out on you? Have people used you? Whatever it is tonight, we can take that to Jesus, boldly going to him and asking and seeking. Exactly what Ethan preached on tonight. Amen. Make that move. Some of our personal workers, if you'll make your way to the front, if you just need somebody to pray with you about a situation, so we don't want you praying alone tonight. There are others who will pray with you about that situation. Whatever it is tonight that you're dealing with, that you're having a a hard time with, this this is the time now. This is serious time. Young people, adults, this is the serious time. This is time when we respond to the message that was preached, when we respond to the preaching of God's word. This is not time to laugh or cut up. This is serious time. The message that was delivered tonight will change our lives if we will adhere to the word that was preached. Knowing and understanding that this flesh is wicked, our heart is wicked, the tongue is wicked, that no man can tame it. We have to lean and run to Jesus in everything, and He will give us exactly what we need to overcome and persevere through any temptation and any trial in our lives. As these are doing business on the altar, maybe you still need to come tonight. Don't let pride stop you now. Don't let nothing get in your way. Don't let let the thought of what is so-and-so gonna think when a message is preached on pride and the tongue and the flesh and they see me going forward to an altar. You can hang all that you can hang what somebody else is gonna think. Because ultimately God already knows our hearts and he knows our minds and he knows the intents of our hearts. And may we just make that move tonight. Not, not, not worrying about what everybody else is gonna think and what they're gonna whisper. Listen, listen, people are gonna say stuff regardless whether we make that move or not. But may we tonight just run to Jesus with our problems. Because he ultimately is our problem solver. He is our strength when we need him. He is one who goes before us. He blazes the trail that we can follow behind in confidence and in power following after him. Not in our own strength, but in his strength. Just another moment as these are finishing up. If you need prayer tonight, we'll be happy to pray with you tonight. And aren't you thankful for the power of prayer that we have access to go boldly into that throne room and ask petitions and plead petitions upon our request to a holy God, a God who loves you tonight, a God who wants the best for you tonight, Just another moment, we'll sing a chorus or so and then we'll head to the house. But don't miss out on this next opportunity, this next next little bit. Don't miss out. Sure, you can make decisions in your seats. Sure, you can make decisions on the way home. I do all the time. But if the Holy Ghost is pricking your heart now, move while he is moving. Don't harden your heart against him moving. In your life, may we just let go and let God have his way. If you're watching by way of live stream, there's a number on the bottom of that screen. You may be struggling with something that nobody else knows about. Nobody in this church may even know the struggles that you're going through, but there are some people here who love you and want to pray with you. If you'll call that number bottom of the screen they're there for you with their bible in hand and they want to pray with you they'll help you is there one more tonight